What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, a podcast where I get to hear you out and do my best to respond to your questions through a lot of time spent in prayer and studying and conversation. The goal of this show is for me to walk with you toward eternity in the midst of the mess of your life, because if we're honest with ourselves, your life, my life, our lives are really messy and there's not always going to be that easy, fill in the blank, go-to Catholic response to the different situations that we're going to encounter in our life. So I just desire to walk with you to toward Jesus so that Jesus Christ can give us the graces that we need to to respond to each situation that we encounter uh, with is his will, his way and do it in his time. Uh, the way that you can send me your questions is by hitting me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And you can send me questions with regards to morality, spirituality, prayer, evangelization, catechesis, justice, relationships, whatever. And I'm going to respond to your questions. Here's the deal, though. I am imperfect. I am not, I'm not yet perfect. I'm not yet a saint in heaven. And, uh, and I, might, I might mess up when I respond to your questions. So if that's the case, if I give you some advice in my response that isn't good for you to become a virtuous, holy human being, then please reject it. I give you freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that is not helpful for you. However, if what I do say is helpful for you, then I really want to encourage you to take my advice and to lean into it and to allow Jesus Christ to transform you over time. You can, again, hit me up with your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also hit me up with your critiques and your comments at that same email. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, which helps other people find out about this show. If the show is a gift for you, then by you rating us and reviewing us, that will help more people find out about the show, and potentially it could be a gift for them and their walk toward eternity. On today's show, we're going to talk about cremation and ashes. We're going to talk about the validity of the sacraments, whenever the ministers of those sacraments are in a state of sin, are corrupt. And we're also going to talk about cannibalism and some claims that Catholics are cannibalists. Ooh, that's nasty. <laughs> Before we get into those questions, those topics, we are going to jump into a glory story. And my first glory story for this week, it uh, it comes from one of my parishioners. Man, I just I love my people here at my parish, Our Lady of the Holy Rosary in Santa Mar. They're really good people. And uh, and a few weeks ago, I gave a presentation on the Mass, and I kind of went through the scriptural roots of the Mass and and tried to help everybody see where each part of the Mass comes from in the the Bible, Old Testament and and New Testament, the biblical roots of the liturgy. And it was an awesome presentation. I mean, the people came; they were hungry. I pray they were fed. But at one point in my presentation, I, I made fun of a song that growing up I heard a lot. And some of y'all might like this song. I'm just going to let you know right now, I, did, I never liked this song. And so I remember as a kid, there was a song we used to sing. It went like this. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing his praise, sing his praise. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. It was uh, one of those songs I always just thought was really corny. And so I took a jab at one of my parishioners who is a gifted musician, 
And I've never heard the man sing the song. I don't, I don't think he ever sung it, but I just said, you know, it's like so-and-so, he's always singing that song, and everybody kind of like laughed at him or whatever. Well, he got me back. He got me back good, y'all. So he plays music for us on Tuesdays before our Tuesday evening mass. And as I come out for the, um, to the procession, guess what he starts singing? <laughs> he started singing, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord, clap, clap. And I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't stop the mass and, like, whatever. So I, uh, I recognize that, that uh, he, he, definitely, uh, he definitely put a smile on my face. He definitely put a smile on my face. And, uh, and, and I informed him that he would never do that again, though. And, uh, and he informed me I shouldn't be calling him out in my, in my presentations. And so we have a little deal. And so first of all, I just, God bless him. It was, uh, it was definitely pretty funny. After mass, everyone... Everyone definitely um, took some good shots at me for for trying to call him out earlier. So praise God for uh, humility. <laughs> but also, another glory story is uh, the book is out. Broken and Blessed is available now, and uh, it was number one uh, on Amazon with Catholic releases, hot new Catholic releases. So that was that was um, that was that was a gift. And so I, I pray that people who are reading the book will. Um, Growing a deeper intimacy with Jesus and really be able to hopefully imitate Jesus and his love for the church. That's my desire. I just want people to be saints. So if the book's helpful for you, please share the book. Uh, use it for small groups in your parish, in your community. Um, and if it's not helpful, then, then uh, trash it. Anything good in the book came from God. Anything bad in the book came from me. Uh, but also, so that's one project that we have coming out now. And another one that's coming out for Advent, and it's available now for purchase, is Rejoice. Uh, this is a project that I was super, super blessed to be a part of uh, recently with my friends, Father Mark Toops and Sister Miriam James. Uh, Father Mark Toops, what he noticed at, at his parish <laughs> was that people were struggling with the season of Advent, right? Lent, everybody knows how to enter into Lent pretty well. Uh, Christmas season, that's pretty clear. Easter, but Advent, he he just noticed that it was a struggle for people to enter into that season because December is such a busy time, and and people end up just preparing for the day for Christmas, which is actually more than one day. It's a season uh, instead of a person, though. They were so focused on Christmas during Advent that they weren't focused on their relationship with Jesus, and and so with um, Advent, uh, he wanted to put a program together to help people to go deeper into their relationship with Christ uh, through meditations on his blessed mother, Mary. And so I really want to encourage you to check out this program that we worked on. Um, you'll have the opportunity, if you get this program, to journey together with our blessed mother and wait for the arrival of her son, our Savior, Jesus, for Christmas. Uh, but you can find out more about this program at www.rejoiceprogram.com. And you can order Broken and Blessed at www.ascensionpress.com. All right. So uh, follow-up time, listener feedback. So this comes from Deacon Paul. Deacon Paul, member of the clergy. First, I want to congratulate you on a most excellent podcast. Thank you, Brother Deacon. Uh, I've been recommending it, telling my friends that it is like a fusion of Jay-Z and Fulton Sheen. I have never heard that one before. So, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Jay to the Izzo. Uh, so, I'm not crazy about your musical repertoire. You only know one Beatles song. Let me see, Let It Be. 
Dude, you're right. I only know one Beatles song. I'm not even going to front. I don't know anything else. But the answers that you give are spot on, 100% in line with church teaching and given in a way that is clear and compassionate. You have a gift. Thank you, brother. Um, praise God. Oh, you said that. Praise God for that. Sweet. I am also very impressed that you also don't just answer the softball questions, but take on the deep and difficult topics. I was binge listening to a number of your shows on a recent trip to Houston, Houston, Texas. I heard your comments about relics and how you lost two of them. Yeah, my bad. Shout out to St. Therese and St. Uh, who is it? St. Therese and St. Gianna, I think. No, St. No, Maria Goretti. Yeah, my bad. Did lose y'all. But I got Therese back. Maria Goretti never came back. And how you said that you should be, they should be kept in a place of reverence, not on your person. That answer did not work for me. I've been battling the same cancer for over 20 years. For the last 10 years, I've had a first-class relic of Blessed Francis Xavier Silos and a small silver reliquary. I keep this pinned inside my shirt against my chest, the area where the cancer has spread. I often reverence the relic while putting it on my shirt as well as when removing it. Although I have not had the sudden complete miraculous cure that I have desired, I have been able to continue to work full-time, maintain my ministry as a deacon, and lead a very active life. I believe that Father Silos is indeed interceding for me and is perfectly happy riding around inside my shirt. <laughs> Again, praise God for allowing you this wonderful ministry that can reach so many people in such a special way. Keep it up, my brother, Deacon Paul. Thank you, Deacon Paul, for your prayers and your support. Uh, I will pray for your uh, healing from cancer as well. And I want to invite all of our listeners to offer up a Hail Mary for Deacon Paul for him to continue to receive the graces that he needs to be the saint that he is called to be in his walk toward eternity. Our other feedback comes from our brother Tom. Tom says this, in your most recent podcast, you read a question asking for tips in quitting smoking. This year, I made the New Year's resolution to quit smoking cigarettes, and halfway through September, I'm still going strong. Praise God. You're correct in saying that the person who asked you shouldn't put a timetable on it. For example, this is the sixth time at least I've tried to quit. And the third year in a row, I made the same New Year's resolution. Previous attempts lasted at most two weeks, so I'm doing much better now. Bad weather has also helped me to stay with it since it was just oppressively cold the first month of quitting for me, and I was glad not to go outside. You're also correct in advising those who are trying to quit to find ways that others can hold them accountable. Occasionally, friends and coworkers were asked, still off cigarettes, and that has a way of motivating me to stay strong. One bit of advice I'd give is to figure out any activity someone has that is associated to smoking in their minds, and then try to cut out or minimize that activity. For example, I associate playing poker to smoking. I've severely limited how much I've played over the past year because I know that during a poker break, I have an urge to smoke. I think that's all for now. I really enjoy the podcast. Sweet. Thank you, Tim, uh, Tom. Uh, I also agree. Uh, pay attention to things that could be triggers. There are good things that can trigger us to do bad things. And so it's really wise to find out what are my triggers and to avoid the near occasion of those triggers going off. God bless you, Tom. All right, and on to our show. First question is about cannibalism. Wasn't Hannibal Lecter a movie about a guy who was involved in cannibalism? I, I believe so. Yeah, I don't remember. I, that was, I was a kid I may have been a kid when that movie came out, or maybe I wasn't even born. I'm, I'm an 80s baby. But yeah, I remember seeing it on TV, parts of it. Anyways, that's not the question. The question comes from Greg. Greg asked this, why is Catholicism not considered cannibalism? I know it isn't, 
but I don't know how to explain the reasoning when other people question me about it. Good, good question, Greg. So uh, when people question you about cannibalism and Catholicism, that is nothing new, man. Roman pagans uh, called early church Christians cannibals precisely uh, because the disciples were very intentional about speaking about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. And they did this because Jesus Christ said it in John chapter 6. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood to have eternal life. Right. So when they did this, the early pagans um, began to assert that they were um, cannibals. And the early Christians were very clear that they weren't going to change the teachings that Jesus Christ gave to accommodate people who were making claims against them. But to call the early church Christians, to call us today cannibals, uh, that, that is just not appropriate. Right? Because cannibalism is eating of human flesh, typically after the person has died, um, and are at least a dead part of the body. So Catholics do not do this with the Eucharist. Um, so Christ is certainly substantially present, uh, but the accidents that we're consuming, the accidents still look like bread, taste like bread, look like wine, taste like wine. So what is substance and what is accident? So uh, substance is what a thing is, right? Essentially, like its essence. And so you and me, whenever we were born, our substance was always Joshness. And for you, Greg, it was Gregness. Like, you are Greg. As a baby, you were Greg. As a five-year-old, you were Greg. As a 22-year-old, you are Greg. When you're in your mother's room, womb, you were Greg. Like that's, that's who you are. That doesn't change. Your substance doesn't change. However, the accidents thought your life have changed. So the accidents of the way that you look has changed. When you were born, you might have weighed 8.5 pounds. Uh, but as you've aged, you have grown significantly. Your weight has changed, your hair has changed, potentially your eye color has changed, your teeth have changed, the way you smell has changed. All those different things have changed over the years, but you are still you. The substance of Greg is always going to be Greg, though the accidents have changed throughout time, the appearance and everything else that goes along with that size, weight, color, all that jazz. With the Eucharist, it's the exact opposite. With the Eucharist, the substance changes from bread breadness, and wine, to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Whereas the accidents remain the same. If you still drink a lot of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you can still get drunk, right? I remember when I was a seminarian uh, at the Abbey, we had to consume the precious blood. We got to consume the precious blood. And uh, sometimes there was a lot of precious blood left over. And there were days I had to go lay down after Mass because I consumed so much precious blood. The accident of wine was still there. Um, even though the substance was literally Jesus, the accident still tastes like wine, had the effects of wine. And I got kind of tipsy, and I said, well, I got to take a break. I got to go lay down. Um, and so the accidents still remain when it comes to the Eucharist. It would still look like bread, taste like bread, look like wine, taste like wine. But substantially, neither bread nor wine remains. This is the teaching on transubstantiation, which literally means transformation of the substance. The substance has now changed, whereas the accidents remain the same. Uh, so it's really essential uh, that we understand this um, because Catholics are not guilty of cannibalism um, because we're not receiving our Lord in a cannibalistic form. We receive him under the accidents 
of bread and wine. Again, cannibalism, simply put, is eating of human flesh, typically after a person has died. A corpse is usually present, or at least a dead body part. In the banquet of the Eucharist, Jesus is not dead. Jesus Christ is a living sacrifice. There's nothing dead about him. He's living. Jesus is bodily, like bodily, he's in heaven, right? He resurrected, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. But his body becomes miraculously present to us wherever the Eucharist is celebrated, living, living, glorified. And so whenever we partake in the Eucharist in a state of grace, uh, we will naturally grow spiritually in our walk toward eternity. So hopefully that was helpful. What do y'all think? If y'all have any additional advice uh, for Greg, uh, hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, our second question comes from Christine. Christine writes this. She says, what is the church's position on cremation and spreading ashes instead of the traditional burying of ashes underground on a tomb? If a person is cremated, can their remains be blessed in a church service afterward? Or does their whole body need to be passed through the church? And if the ashes are spread in water instead of buried, what does that mean for the deceased afterlife? It comes from Christine. That's a good question, Christine. This is a common question that a lot of people actually propose um, to me. And so thank you for asking. So I think there's like three parts to your question. So you can hit me up and let me know if I didn't respond well. Um, but I'm going to try to break it up into three different parts. So let's go back into history real quick. Historically, at the early church, opposed cremation uh, because pagans often cremate their dead as a sign of disrespect for the Christian belief in the physical resurrection of the body. In our, in our creed that we pray at Mass, we say we believe in the resurrection of the body. And so like, if you and I die today, our souls will experience the beatific vision, but we're going to be incomplete until the second coming whenever our bodies are resurrected from the dead and are joined to our souls. Um, so some pagans did not believe in the resurrection of the body. They disagree with this church teaching. And so to fight against that uh, mindset of the pagans and to protect the belief of the doctrine that we will experience a resurrection of our bodies, for many years the church forbade cremation. However, that prohibition was lifted in 1963. And so the church certainly right, still recommends that the faithful I, uh, be buried, um, uh, but Catholics may be cremated as long as the cremation is not a demonstration of rebellion uh, of the belief in the resurrection of the body. You can check out for more information on that, uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph 2301. All right, so now on to your next part of your question. If a person is cremated, can their remains be blessed in a church service afterward or does the whole body need to be passed through the church? So like the ideal form of a Christian burial um, with Christian liturgy, with the church liturgy, um, and the U.S. bishops is that the, the burial of the body be intact. However, if the person is cremated before the funeral liturgy, then you can have their ashes there present for the liturgy as, as well. Um, so the funeral mass can, can be done in, in two ways. You can either have their body present and then do the cremation, or you can do the cremation, have the ashes present, and do the, the funeral mass that way, uh, depending on what your circumstances are. Both are acceptable. Uh, and then finally, onto your third part of your question, which said, 
if the ashes are spread in water instead of buried, what does that mean for the person's afterlife? So, look, it's not a good thing to spread the person's ashes. Um, why? Uh, well, because if their ashes are spread in the water or like all over the world, or there's that movie that came out a few years ago, the documentary where the person spread the ashes of his loved one. Um, what happens is, is then because there's not a stable place for that, a permanent place for that person's remains to be, then that person may not get prayed for. That person may not be remembered uh, anymore. And so we want the person to have a, a, a reverent place of burial so that we as faithful can continue to assist them in their walk toward eternity through the season of purgatory. Uh, so if, if that person is not buried uh, in a tomb, in a mausoleum, uh, in the ground, uh, then we're actually doing them an injustice. We're doing them a big injustice. And so it is always best and good and right to, um, to, to get them buried. Uh, so what would happen to them? I mean, nothing. Their soul is still their soul, right? Their, their, their soul, their cease will not be affected, certainly. Um, but it just won't be in, in, that, in that sense, right? It's not going to, like, stop them from getting to heaven. Um, but it, it will limit us in future generations the ability to pray for them, which is something that we are called to do as disciples of Christ. St. Paul says, always pray for each other. So hopefully that was helpful. But let me know what you think. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story... The Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. You can also record a voice note. Send that to me as well. We can play it on the show. And also, please rate us and review us on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the gift of the show. Okay, our final question comes in today from Teresa. Teresa, like Mother Teresa. Speaking of Teresa, have you heard Adria Saad's new song, Teresa? It is so good. Adria Saad's song, Teresa, she says, Jesus, I need you. Lover, don't leave me. Did you call my name just to plunge me deep into the darkness? Do you know that I can't even hear your voice? Oh, man. Oh, Adria, aside, your, your music is so good. Really, it's such a gift. 
But man, it just puts me in my, my it puts me in my feelings. Ah, can you imagine? Ah, just a dark night, man. So that's one of my favorite songs right now. Adria Side Teresa, if you've never heard it, you should definitely check it out. It's really, really, really good. And uh, it's, it's painful to listen to, but it's, it's good. So anyways, Teresa writes this about the scandals and mass. Your show is great. I crack up every time while I'm listening in my car. I'm sure people are looking at me. They may be wondering why I have a perpetual grin on my face. And I do know 70% of the songs you sing. So shout out to Deacon Paul, who did not like my song, uh, Repertoire, because Teresa, she knows the song. She says, Destiny's Child, what? Yeah, Destiny's Child. Shout out to DC3. Anyways, I have a question in regards to the consecration of the host by a sinful bishop involved in the sexual abuse in the church. If a priest commits such heinous sins against children and young men, and then turns around and says mass that same day. Does the Lord accept his sacrifice and allow transubstantiation? And accepting the host from such evil makes me wonder, are we accepting evil without even knowing it? One thing I know is that I will remain steadfast as a soldier of Christ. As a member of the body of Christ, I am fasting, offering the rosary, and perpetually praying for healing and justice and discernment in God's message to us as a church and allowing this affliction. I know we will rise above, I'm going to rise up, rise above such pain with much more strength and more unity. Thank you so much for what you do and in your vocation. You are truly touching hearts and changing lives. Teresa, well, Teresa, thank you. Please pray for me and fast for me as well. I, I desire to be a saint. I know I do, and, um, but I, you know, I'm broken. I'm imperfect myself, and uh, I, there's still so much more purification for me to experience in my walk toward eternity. And again, thank you for your fasting and offering the rosary, such a powerful prayer, and for praying specifically and intentionally for healing and justice. That is a good thing to do. Um, that is such a good thing to do. And you're, you're right. The church will rise above this. And whenever the church goes through this kind of turmoil, God will raise up. He will rise up a great number of saints, of holy men and women who are intentional disciples, who are intentional disciples of Christ. And so let us pray that we could be in that number of saints that he is calling up right now. But with regards to the question, the validity of the sacraments is not dependent on the holiness of the ministers. Uh, so the minister we pray is in a state of grace, uh, but if the minister is not in a state of grace, the sacrament will still work uh, with or without the minister being in a state of grace when it comes to the sacraments, which is a gift ultimately for those of us receiving the sacraments from broken ministers, uh, because God's not going to punish us for their sinfulness. And so that is a huge gift for us to recognize. The only time a priest would not be able to minister a sacrament, um, it, well, unless if, clearly if he's been stripped of his faculties, but if a priest broke the sixth commandment with someone else, and that person could then not go to that priest for confession for the sixth commandment, which is if they, you know, committed adultery together, um, uh, they could not do that. They would have to go to somebody else to receive the sacrament of, of reconciliation. But outside of that, um, the sacraments, even if the priest is broken, are super holy. The sacraments are the sacraments. They're God's gift to us, regardless of the minister who is the vessel of those gifts given to us by God. Uh, God will not allow the evil of a priest to transfer onto us when we receive the Eucharist from a broken, corrupt priest. That's just not how the Lord works. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than any sin any person can ever commit. 
And, uh, and God would not do that. Whenever we earnestly try to grow in holiness, he will protect us in our walk toward eternity. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, this, and that's also something to keep in mind, too, even when it's not the sacraments, that just because someone's not in a state of grace doesn't mean that they shouldn't still try to be used by God to draw other people to heaven um, as they hopefully will repent eventually, right? So, like, if I was in a state of mortal sin and I saw someone on the side of the road who was hungry and needed to be fed, uh, I wouldn't say, well, I'm going to go to confession and then go feed this poor person. No, like Jesus says, you fed me whenever I was hungry, right? And so that's, that's the body of Christ calling me to feed him right there. He's not calling for me to, to wait to feed him. And so we shouldn't allow our brokenness, our, our sinfulness to stop us from continuing to help other people to be fed both physically um, and also spiritually in their walk toward eternity. And we should definitely pray that every person who does um, commit mortal sin, deadly sin, serious sin, would repent from those sins um, so that they could have an opportunity to abide in Christ. So, yeah, prayers of the rosary and fasting are just a, a great gift. And uh, I'm grateful, Teresa, that you are doing that for the church. God is going to use you in a powerful way. And whenever you get to heaven, God willing, you're going to meet a number of people who also benefited from your prayers. And they're going to say, Teresa, it was your prayers of intercession that, that just helped me to encounter the love of God. So thank you. Anyways, that wraps up today's show. So that brings us to the end. And regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some universal points from today's topics. Number one, from this most recent topic about uh, the validity of the sacraments, uh, specifically whenever the minister of those sacraments is in a state of sin. Universal point for all of us is no matter where we're at, what we have done, uh, we should still always try to be a bridge for other people to encounter God. Even whenever we ourselves are struggling in our relationship with the Lord, uh, that should not be a reason for us to not share our gifts to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whenever it comes to our other question, which was cremation, just keep in mind uh, that the reason why the church did not allow it back then was because of the, the ways in which people were doing it to attack the church's teaching on the resurrection of the body, God's teaching on the resurrection. And so if, if that's all you can do, it's permissible, right? Cremation, cremation is permissible, but, but do remember that we have an obligation to bury the person. They're not supposed to be in our homes, or they're not supposed to be around our necks, or in our pockets. The ashes are supposed to be buried in a place of reverence so that we can go and intentionally remember to consistently pray for them um, and for their salvation. Uh, so finally, when it comes to cannibalism, remember old school philosophy can always be helpful for all of us. Studying uh, Thomas Aquinas on substance and accidents uh, would be a gift for us, not only with the Eucharist, but also with all the sacraments. The sacraments really don't make sense unless we have a clear understanding of substance, accidents, matter, and form. Uh, those are philosophical terms, super easy, but they are gifts in helping us to better understand these, these great gifts that God has given us in baptism and in Holy Communion and in marriage, and the list goes on. So let's uh, go ahead and pray as we end today's show. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is so good, Jesus. Your name is so beautiful. Your name is so awesome. And as we speak your name, Lord, we just bow our heads and we, we bend our knees. We lie prostrate before your holy name. 
your name that brings about healing and renewal and redemption, your name that brings about authentic reform in our hearts and the hearts of society, the hearts of the world, the hearts of the body of Christ, the church, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In times of temptation, give us the grace to just call out your name and to trust that your name is enough to ward off the attacks of the enemy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Give us the grace to long and to desire to dwell in the face of the name that we proclaim this day and every day of our lives. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And don't forget, hit us up on AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com and rate us and review us on iTunes so that other people can find out about the gift of the show. I can't wait to be with you next week. Amen.